Oklahoma Senator James Langford. Good morning. Hey, good morning to you. When we uh, spoke last, you ended the conversation with this. Pray for the nation. This is a noisy season, but uh, it's not a day that's got God unawares, and it's not a day that we should be at each other's throats at it. Uh, we, we resolve our differences peacefully. That's how we do things. And uh, so let's continue to be able to work through the process and just pray for each other. Words that uh, were prescient, prophetic, I guess. Um, and then the, the words you spoke on the Senate floor became the brackets between which all of this madness happened. You were speaking when it began. You retook the floor when it ended. Since I believe this is the first time that you're speaking to a broadcast news outlet about what happened last Wednesday, would you please fill in the hours in between those two brackets from your perspective? What did you see? What did you hear and feel? Yeah, sure can. Uh, in, in American history, we have seen over and over again divisive issues uh, that you take to the floor of the House and the Senate. We debate it out. That's why we have a representative government. Uh, we have lots of things we disagree on, but we talk them out. That's what we do. Uh, when the uh, Senate came into session, after, uh, the joint set, well, I should say the joint session occurred. Uh, it got started pretty quickly, went to Arizona. And uh, there was a challenge I was a part of uh, and said, OK, let's let, let's talk this out and let's figure out how we get more information to the American people that have questions. Went to the Senate side. Uh, there were about seven speakers in. I was up. And uh, as I started, uh, there was a little bit of buzz around me with some other members saying on Twitter that they're hearing that they're pushing through the Capitol and uh, that they're trying to actually get in. And then as I was speaking about two and a half minutes in, I watched the Secret Service. Uh, run up to the platform, grab the vice president, and pull him out of the room immediately. And then a staff member approached me and said, protesters are in the building. Uh, at that point, obviously, I suspended my speech, and uh, we um, paused uh, the Senate session. For about 15 minutes, uh, we were actually in uh, the main chamber as they held us there. And then the protesters had actually gotten not just in the building, but were actually approaching the Senate chamber. And uh, at that point, they evacuated us out and got us to a different location um, because the protesters were running through the building yelling, where are they, where are they? And uh, so they were moving there. there. There's some pretty heroic actions that were happening from the Capitol Police that, um, as you know, when a most, most police lines, they'll have multiple tiers of protection. Yeah. But no one thought that this group would try to smash through the doors uh, and uh, would try to actually move into the building. And uh, there was some Capitol Police that I know well. Uh, that actually uh, uh, people said they ran and they had the, the group follow them. Some of those folks I know, well, what they were doing was actually running and enticing the crowd to follow them, and they were leading them away from the Senate chamber as at the exact same time that they were enticing the crowd to follow them in the building, they were leading them away from the chamber as people were actually evacuating us out. Did you encounter any of the uh, the insurrectionists as you were being whisked into that safe area? Did you see any of them? I did not see any of them. I could hear on the backside doors as we were evacuating out, people actually beating on the doors and uh, trying to be able to get in on one side as they were taking us out another side of the chamber, uh, but never actually physically saw anyone. So many different directions to go here. Let's First of all, let's talk about the, the event itself. Now that you've had time to process it, what do you make of the events of last Wednesday? Um, you know, I, every time I use the word insurrection, um, I hear about it via open mic. But if you look in a dictionary, that is the literal definition of an insurrection. What happened there on Wednesday? Uh, what terms do you use to describe it? Yeah, I used mob. I used riot. 
Um, I'm, I'm not convinced the group that was there was actually trying to take over the government, but it's pretty pretty close that they were trying to say the government's not going the direction we want, and so we want to try to come through. Uh, there, there were very few people in the crowd that were armed. This day would have been very, very different if that was uh, if there were more people that were armed that were actually coming to the building and they were actually using their weapons. Uh, the uh, I would tell you the Capitol Police uh, that I talked with uh, midway through the day that uh, had uh, blood pouring from their head and all kinds of injuries uh, on them would tell you uh, this was a very serious day as we know that we've had a couple of police officers lose their life. Uh, we had uh, some of the people that were in that riot lose their life. Uh, this was a very sad, disappointing day for America. It, you, it, the, the hard part to process for most Americans is that we have a protest on Capitol grounds probably every other day. Now, we, we've had less than that, obviously, during the time of COVID. Uh, but on a typical day in Washington, D.C., there's someone at the Capitol protesting something every day, if not every other day. And so seeing protests and seeing even thousands of people gathered on the grounds is very, very normal uh, for us to be able to see people you know, using their free speech rights to be able to speak out. But we have never seen a group uh, be so angry that they rushed to the Capitol literally from all sides of the Capitol, broke through barriers, barricades, and continued pressing until they smashed windows and door locks uh, into the Capitol itself to be able to move in. In some cases, chanting, hang Mike Pence as they came in. Um, So how much culpability, how much responsibility does the president bear? And should he be impeached? Should he be removed from office? I always put responsibility on individuals that actually commit violence, Uh, whether this was last summer uh, when we saw people smash windows uh, while they were having peaceful protests uh, for police violence that was occurring. And uh, there were the vast majority of people were peaceful. Then there were individuals smashing at the windows of small businesses or occupying or trying to occupy federal buildings in the northwest uh, and courthouses and all kinds of things. Those individuals are responsible for their actions. I first hold the individuals responsible for their own actions. I, I don't care what someone else said. It's what you did uh, became the biggest issue. Now, on uh, backing up from that, the, the president was unwise, to say the least, to be able to challenge a group to say, come to Washington, D.C. on January the 6th, uh, and then to use terms in the rallies like, let's go fight for the Capitol, or I'm going to march down there with you. Some of those things uh, could be called inciting a riot in that sense. But at the end of the day, every person is responsible for their own actions. The president wasn't down there smashing windows, uh, but this was a crowd exceptionally loyal to him. And uh, they were coming to do what they, I assume, felt like was what he wanted to happen. Now, again, saying all that, there were thousands and thousands of people that were there that didn't break into the building, that came to fly a flag, that came to be able to uh, make a statement, and then they were planning on heading home. But there were people in the crowd with very different plans. And there were Antifa members there, no question. But I also have no question that the vast majority of the people that were actually in the building and that smashed the building were not Antifa members, that they were Trump supporters, and uh, they had come in uh, with very different means. And again, that doesn't describe the majority of the Trump supporters there, but you also can't deny uh, that there were folks that were there very passionate about the president uh, that did something incredibly foolish, dangerous, and illegal. Uh, Senator Jim Inhofe, quoted in the Tulsa World, is saying he's never seen Vice President Pence as mad as he was on that day. Did you see the vice president? Did you talk to him? And um, can you tell us a little bit about what we might expect from him in the next couple of days? 
Yeah, I, I did talk to the vice president. I actually, uh, uh, Jim talked to him, I guess, at a different moment. I didn't see him mad. I just saw him sad and disappointed. His family was there, right? Occurred. Yeah, yeah. yeah. His, his family was in the building as well. His wife was in the building as well. Uh, he had to be personally pulled out uh, for uh, his own protection. And as the Secret Service moved, uh, th- this was not a good day. And it, he and I had a long conversation at the end of the day, uh, just talking about his constitutional responsibility. Uh, there was a um, there was a push by many uh, that were in the crowd and others, and as you said, to hang Trump that had or hang Pence that had this. Um, feeling somehow that uh, the vice president of the United States could just ignore the United States Constitution and declare Trump as president, as you would declare a monarch. Uh, that That's not our constitutional system. That's not how it ever works. Uh, and if someone believes somehow or someone led them astray to believe that the vice president could just declare who the next president is, Al Gore had to be the most foolish man ever uh, because he sat on that same dais in 2001 uh, as they went through the Electoral College, and uh, and it actually had a transition of power at that point. Uh, so th- th- this is not something that the vice president has the authority to do uh, constitutionally or legally, nor should have that. I can assure you the founders would have never, ever dreamed that. The vice president made that very clear in written statements in advance of that day that he did not believe he had the constitutional right to be able to do that. He and I talked about it, and I affirmed him and said, you know, I'm, I know you've taken a lot of heat and a lot of pressure. Uh, I believe you did the right thing by saying we're going to follow the constitutional system. The president, uh, we haven't heard from him um, since Wednesday. Obviously, he can't tweet because he's been barred from social media, and maybe we can get to that topic here in a little bit. But uh, should the president be speaking to the nation right now? Do you believe the president is stable? And some have said he's a clear and present danger. Do you believe that? I, I have not I have not spoken to the president in the last couple of weeks or the last couple of days. Um, I'll let others that are around him make any, any of that kind of decision. Obviously, he's mad and frustrated, but the president's not limited in speaking to the American public. It, it, is, uh, it is perfectly fine for him to be able to release public statements, press releases. Uh, he can go to the microphone at any time. He is the president of the United States and uh, to be able to speak. And it is my understanding that he's planning on making a statement today, mm. uh, that he's planning tomorrow to be to travel to the southern border to be able to talk about uh, border security and to be able to make public statements. So it's my understanding he is planning to be in front of the American people. This would be his last full week uh, in office. Senator Rick Corey is with me. First of all, I want a couple things. First, did you ever at any point feel threatened by what happened last week? Oh, yeah. When, when you realize there are protesters in the building and uh, you see the security move in in the way that they did, you understand that there are apparently threats that are out there uh, and that this is serious. Uh, we were in the chamber uh, when the reports came in that there was gunfire uh, on the House side. Uh, we had no idea what that meant. Uh, so, yeah, you have, you have to pause uh, at that point, to say the least. Now, again, uh, the Capitol Police have taken a lot of heat uh, for what happened in the building, but they, their first priority was the protection of life uh, in the building. Uh, obviously, they want to keep people out, um, but the Capitol has historically been a place uh, that has less security than the White House, for instance. The White House is a fortress. Uh, the Capitol is both a museum, a tourist attraction, and an office all at the same time. And so th- there's always been a lot of movement through the Capitol, and anyone who's been to Washington, D.C., has toured the Capitol, has been around it, has gone through that process. Uh, our doors are open uh, because we want people to be able to engage. Now, again, obviously, time is of COVID. We have many fewer visitors uh, that are there, to say the least. Uh, 
but we, we have been an open building uh, because we want the American people to be able to come in and out and be a part of that. Uh, this will obviously cause some pretty significant changes in the days ahead. That's exactly what I was going to follow up with. Do you expect this will change anyone's experience as they go to Washington, whether it's visiting that building, the, you know, the White House tours or the National Monuments or any of those things? No, I, I think we'll we'll still make sure people can get into the buildings and be able to be around. There will probably be additional layers of security in the process uh, because once this type of event happens once, uh, no matter what you're coming to protest for or speak against, it could happen again. And uh, so if we, do, if we fail to learn from this moment, uh, it is on us uh, on that to be able to do it. And we've already had uh, the sergeant-at-arms on the House side and on the Senate side have both been fired and the chief of police for the Capitol Police has resigned. Uh, so we've already had a obviously significant leadership change uh, there. Uh, and there are a lot of there's a lot of questions that are happening about why didn't they take uh, advance warnings? There was a lot of chatter online uh, that there were people coming to be more violent, uh, and they wanted to take that seriously. Have additional national guard, put up additional barriers. Uh, there are different types of barriers. There's more the traditional bike rack uh, type, and then there's a different type that's a fencing. Uh, that fencing is now up now rather than the bike rack uh, portion that's easily movable. Uh, all of those things, there'll be a lot of second guessing and questions about and uh, why we didn't have additional layers there or uh, different types of locking systems, even on the doors. I mean, we still have the historic locks that are there uh, that are not designed uh, to be able to have the press of a crowd against them. And so all of those things, there'll be questions on, but we'll move uh, quickly to be able to help stabilize this building because it's important to the American people uh, that that what what we saw happen last Wednesday never, ever happen again, uh, because that is not something that we want to have flashed on TVs all over the world uh, to be able to represent our democracy. You texted last night, said that when we were communicating about the possibility of this interview, that uh, your office has been swamped. I think you've had 15,000 official contacts. That's just official contacts. Right. Um, you're, you're feeling heat from every direction right now, aren't you? Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, the whole country is mad. And but the whole country was mad last week uh, with thousands of contacts coming in uh, last week and the week before. Uh, there are individuals uh, that are uh, taking everything they see online from every motivation, from every direction. I've had uh, folks in Oklahoma that have called me a traitor because I wasn't trying to uh, uh, demand that the president actually stay and violate my oath of office in the Constitution. Uh, Jim Inhofe and I both made public statements to say we have an oath to actually protect the Constitution. Now, I have a responsibility as well as an oath to be able to make sure that people that have real concerns about this last election, they have an opportunity to have those areas heard. And what I was pushing for even through last Wednesday was there are questions about the election. We solve those and we get those out and get the facts out there as much as we possibly can. Uh, there are other folks saying, no, you were secretly trying to overturn an election, though you never said it. You, that was your secret motivation. I had individuals that have contacted me and said you were secretly a white supremacist uh, because Kamala Harris is an African-American and she was going to be the vice president and you were trying to do everything you could to be able to stop her. And all I can say is that that never, ever crossed my mind. Uh, I've had individuals uh, that have taken every single perspective you can imagine through this. And at the end of the day, it is because they're angry because of who we become as Americans and how we take on each other in, in policy and in just normal family dialogues uh, as Americans. So whether this is a 
product of a lot of people just frustrated uh, through the last several years, or whether this is a product of uh, overwhelming anger during the COVID and us being all cooped up and life not being normal, or just being uh, the things that the president has said and done that's made them just exceptionally angry. I don't run into many people that are not just angry at this point. And the challenge that we have is we have to knit us back together. Uh, And what I was trying to say on the floor and did say on the floor on Wednesday when we came back from the riots and stepped back up was that person across the room is not my enemy. That is a fellow American, and we may not agree on things, but we can still talk the the issues out. That's who we've always been as Americans. Uh, But trying to be able to label every person that I disagree with as my enemy and to be able to call them every name, uh, that doesn't help us as a country. Uh, and that won't help us as a country. Uh, We've got to start looking at each other again as people created in the image of God that have value and worth and people that we disagree with, but we can actually work things out with and uh, know that at the end of the day, that's my fellow American, and I'm going to stand side by side with them. And here we we stand right now at this most unique moment in our country's history. Today, January 11th, we have eight days until the inauguration, It seems that those eight days are going to chart the course of our country for the rest of our country's existence. Yeah, they very well could. And I I have to tell you, I've I've been really disappointed in the conversation to say, well, let's just do an impeachment hearing right now. Uh, To me, that's the equivalent of pouring gasoline on a fire, uh, that we are already this divided. And um, the House is talking about delivering to the Senate the day before Uh, President uh, Biden takes office, uh, that uh, we would then be starting an impeachment hearing uh, for President Trump at that time. Uh, So this becomes a really, really divisive issue that we're already in becoming even more divisive. If there's any way to turn the volume down, we need to find ways to be able to turn volume down rather than up. Uh, And so we'll we'll see what the House chooses to do and how they choose to handle it. Uh, They've talked about whether that be a censure or whether that be an impeachment, uh, but to try to run a trial. And the trial would actually run during the beginning of the Biden presidency. So the Biden presidency would typically, the Senate would be going through cabinet officials and trying to get in the secretary of defense and doing all those key things. We could not at that point because the, the rules are very, very clear. If the House sends over an impeachment, we have to take that up as the next order of business. And so literally, we couldn't start the Biden presidency anything until we'd actually gone through an extended trial to be able to work through it. And the president would have to have the opportunity to be able to bring witnesses. Uh, They chose to do that, to depose, uh, to be able to have his own defense and to be able to go through it. So I don't know how long that trial is and how much it slows down the beginning of a Biden presidency. But that's what the House is currently talking about right now. Last question, we'll let you go. Would you ever join a group of Republican senators, say, later today and trying to contact the president and asking him to resign? No, I I don't think that's going to be helpful for the uh, for the the um, country as well. Uh, With eight days left uh, in this transition, uh, there are plenty of folks that are around the president uh, that know him much better than I do uh, that would have the opportunity to be able to uh, speak to him and to speak into him. Uh, Now, I would tell you, uh, if we go back even a month ago, uh, I had talked to the president and I had shared with him my concern to say the entire country is running on your emotions right now and what you feel and express the country's riding with you on both directions on this. So you should be cautious on how you actually express your emotions right now, because this is so emotive uh, in the country. But that was a month ago uh, was the last time that 
we had the opportunity to be able to speak that frankly. Senator, thank you for your time. Is all was this the first time you've spoken publicly since Wednesday? You know, I actually can't keep track. I've had so many conversations. My, I've been on the phone constantly uh, since that time period and, sure. and uh, been in a lot of communications. And I wrote that I actually wrote a very long e-newsletter uh, that uh, we sent out to just thousands of people across the state that are connected to our e-newsletter list to explain last Wednesday, explain what I was doing, how I was doing. Uh, it was it was a very long letter that I spent time actually writing to be able to get that out. And I'm going to try to get out some more information because there's so much misinformation out now about things that I'm just getting all kinds of inbound on. Mm. Uh, is the National Guard being called out? Are we about to go into martial law? Those, those, those things are not true. Uh, but social media is just exploding with misinformation. I may just put out some uh, current factual information to, to push back against the misinformation. Well, uh, consider us a conduit for that if, uh, if you ever want to uh, come back on and talk strictly about that. We'd be happy to. Can do, can right. do. Senator. Everybody take a big, deep breath and uh, realize that neighbor is still your fellow American. Thanks, y'all. Thank you, Senator. Senator James Langford.